Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. Who's this speaking? This is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth speaking this. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon Him. And then what will result from the Holy Spirit coming upon Him, which is foreshadowing of what would happen when the Holy Spirit would come upon followers of Jesus in Acts 1.8 where He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. And He's going to equip you with the stuff. With the power, with the ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ. To be a bold witness, a courageous witness for Him in spite of many of the trials and sufferings and persecution and the various things that you are going to face as a result of calling me your Lord and Savior and following me with your whole life. It's going to be rough. So buckle up. And this is what he says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And I really appreciated that he dropped off because he could have included the original text from Isaiah, but he he left out the part about the day of vengeance of our God. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) That's good news right there. (laughs) Holy Spirit, as we do, we continually come before You because You are the author of Revelation. You help us see what we can't see. And we're asking You to open up Your Word that it would go in, it would cut, it would do its work in our lives that we would be transformed literally right here in this place and continue to be transformed as Your Word continues to go forth and work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Ah, I loved our time of worship this morning. God is with us all the time, but there's just you know there's the tangible presence of God. And uh, anyway, I just appreciate so much your heart and what you uh, facilitated on our behalf as we entered in uh, just to engaging the Lord. So as we see the same Holy Spirit who came upon Christ and did the work that He said would result has. Also, if we are believers, if we're followers of Jesus, we have been filled by the Spirit of God, the same will result that we would be witnesses for Him in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, whatever that, wherever our city is, our neighborhood, uh, our place where we live, uh, the places where we go, wherever we are, to the ends of the earth. And I want to start off here by, uh, we have been, uh, last week, This is going to be installment number two. But last week, we uh, hit something called Justice Church about God's desire to bring His justice, to release His justice uh, into the earth. And that's really what Jesus is talking about here. Captives who have been uh, blinded, those who have been imprisoned by the works of darkness, by the enemy, and uh, by sin, by just not being born again. Uh, those types of things. He says, I'm going to bring justice to the earth and I'm going to do it through 
my, my church. That's how I'm going to do it. And so you're going to have to get part one from last week. We're not going to repeat those things. But I wanted to start off with something just to frame a little bit of perspective compared to uh, our first world perspective in America, the Western civilization, and other developing countries. So take a look at this. Every day, thousands of people fall victim to FWP. I'm so cold. Starving. Nobody cares about me. Also known as first world problems. I'm so cold. Somebody set the AC to 72. I needed it at 73. Starving. Oh, yes. Leftovers. Nobody cares about me. Nobody commented or liked my status. Hi, I'm Ryan Higa. And for just five hours of attention a day, you could help somebody with FWP. Everyone keeps putting so much pressure on me. I don't know what I want for my birthday. I have too much chips for my dip. If I open a new dip, I'll have too much dip for my chips. Why does Apple keep making new iPhones? Now I have to get another one? They've been through so much struggle. The remote's over there. But I'm all the way over here. So much hardship. My iPhone 5 is too big for my skinny jeans. So much attention. Tension. 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 I poured my cereal without checking to see if we had milk. We did it. So please, show your support and send them this video. And show them how much we care about their FWPs. I bought too many groceries. Now I have to make two trips. All you have to do is call the URL 1-800-.org. And we'll send you the FWP helping kit, which includes a bridge, a straw, and a full cup with a cover. Here's a bridge. Now get over it. Here's a straw. Now suck it up. Here's a full cup. With your help, we can put an end to FWPs and focus on the real problems, like starving children or homeless people. Because if you're complaining about something as silly as the iPhone 5, just wait till you see the iPhone 6. Oh, this? This is the iPhone 5S. This is the iPhone 6. Funny because it's all too true. All too true. The things that... I'll just say I whine about. I'm sure you're not like that. What's the purpose of showing this? To heap guilt and condemnation? No. But to remind us that there's a reason why we have been given what we've been given. It's to help shape perspective. For us to see through a different lens. To, to help us put into perspective really what, what is God's heart. And when we always look through just our Western lens, it's really challenging for us to see other people who are in need because we're caught up with so many of the things that we're caught up in. Many of the things that we talked about last week. But we're reminded that we have been blessed to be a blessing to others, not for self-consumption. We were all created to worship. This is our default. We will do this. We, in other words, we, we can't stop. We can't help but worship. We do worship because we've been created to be worship. It's just part of our design. 
And the only question becomes, who or what do we worship? We've repeated this many times over and over, but it's, it's worth repeating. And unfortunately, even though some of us may be here in the presence of the Lord, worshiping, doing different things like that, it, it doesn't necessarily equate to a changed life, a transformed person, and a follower of Jesus. Attending church, sitting here, listening to this. All, again, just because, remember, I'm exposed to truth. Jesus says, we, we've rehearsed this. I'm not falling for that one again. The Word doesn't say the truth sets you free. It says abiding in the truth and in Him and following Him in the truth. That is what sets us free. So merely being exposed to it, merely being exposed to worship, merely raising our hands, merely being here in the presence of the Lord doesn't equate to actually a follower of Christ. We know that because we see the life of Judas doesn't get any closer to the presence of God than the 12 disciples. And Judas hung with, with Jesus for quite a while. And we know his destination was very different. Things ended very poorly for him. How do we live our lives? The other six days determines who we worship, not the songs that we sing here. Matthew 15, 8-9, Jesus says these people, again, He's quoting Isaiah, and He says, These people honor Me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. So if we were to just take a snapshot of Judas's life, who could we say that Judas worshipped? Who or what? Okay, money for sure. Himself. Okay, himself was right up there at the top. Power. He was looking for an alliance with those that were in power so that he could leverage that for himself. Control. Absolutely. We could point to a number of gods that he had created in his life. So we can't get stuck with the whole idea of, well, I don't bow down when I go home. I don't bow down and worship somebody else or something else. But we just do that with our lifestyle. When the, what are the elements of worship? You remember? Time, energy, resources, affection, devotion. All of those things really tell us who or what we truly worship. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. A familiar but very potent writings here of the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 12. I can hear your iPad pages rustling. (laughs) And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. And he's not just talking about the physical body. He's saying the whole being, the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Give your whole being to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will accept. When you think of what He has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
So we're, he's, he's already been talking about in his letter prior to this about how someone is born again. So he's not talking about being born again. He's not talking about presenting ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice in order to gain salvation. He's talking about doing this from salvation. From salvation. And uh, he's saying, don't be transformed or don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So someone can be born again and still have a mindset that is like they were prior to becoming born again and being filled with the spirit. It's the mind that still needs to be transformed by changing the way that you will by the changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing his, per, his will really is. How many have ever wondered what the will of God is before for your life? Okay, We do that not by sitting back and asking the question, but we, do, we figure that out and we, we discover that by first presenting ourselves saying, here I am completely and totally. I'm all yours. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come and wash my mind that I would come into alignment with the owner's manual for life, which is God's word. So that we can be washed, scrubbed, transformed so that we think God's thoughts after him. That's the goal is Christ likeness in every way. So we were challenged last week at the end of the service. Paul Graves just rudely came up, grabbed the microphone from me and, uh, no, but he, he just, I really believe the Lord gave him a capstone to put on the word from last week. And he challenged us with, with three questions. Am I prepared to give everything to Jesus? Am I prepared to give everything to Jesus? Am I prepared to do anything you want, Jesus? Jesus, am I prepared to go anywhere you want? So give everything, do anything, go Anywhere. I did not like those questions. I don't know how many of you, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to just like, oh yeah, totally Jesus, I'll just do anything you want and go anywhere. Really? Seriously? <laughs> but you know, Jesus says, if you're going to come and follow me, you better count the cost first. You better discover how much is it, what it's going to take to build this thing. You're going against enemies that are much stronger than you, you know, and he says, you, you better get some counsel to find out. Can you go up against an army of 20,000 with 10,000? You better count the cost because it's going to, there's a serious price tag associated with following Christ. Justice Church. Bishop Graham Cray. He said this, worship Without mission is self-indulgence. And specifically, he's talking about this type of worship where we come together in song, we sing together as a people. It's like, yes, we get the warm fuzzies. It's great. And, but he says, worship without mission is self-indulgence. It's just basically consuming the presence of God for, your, for ourselves. The things of God, experiencing Him. But he says, mission without worship is self-defeating. In other words, the most important aspect of our lives is our worship of God. And that's why he said, first of all, if I'm going to boil it all down, Jesus, the, the leader of our movement, he says to us, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
mind, your soul, and your strength. Worship Him alone, only. Give your complete and total to Him. That's where it begins. You know, we talk about giving love to others and loving and reaching. That's impossible without first receiving the love of Jesus. We have no capacity in and of ourselves to give, to love, all that without, without Him. Without having received His love first. So which is it? Because then he goes on after that and he says, the second one is just like the first one. He actually says equally important. Which is crazy to think about. Love God with everything that you are, your whole being. And the second one is equally important because the second one validates the first one. Without the love of people, it says love people like you would yourself. Love others. Without the love of people and our brother and our neighbor and our, the stranger and whomever, without the love of people, he says, John in his epistle says, forget it. You're living a lie. You, you don't actually love God. You, you can't say those words and then not love other people with your actions. And I'm eating those, those words. So what is it, the love of God or the love of people? It's the fullness of both. In the Christian life, we don't have to do this balancing act of, well, we need a little bit of balance of this and about... No, it's the fullness of, of, of all of those things that God has for us. I love the, the just... You know, you guys had no idea what I was going to be, you know, preaching on and sharing on unless you guys cheated and listened to the podcast last week. But just the, the grace of God, you know, captured by your grace. I love that melody. That was great. But uh, just say, I'm captured by your grace. You know, I just stood there like, oh, man. Because you see, as we as we get into these things, there's kind of this... We, we can tend to walk this tightrope of, 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 of what is it? Is it, okay, God, is it this vertical thing or it's this holiness and obedience to you? Or is it just mission, man? We're on mission. No, it's this beautiful, the fullness of both of those things. It's the integrated, not the vertical or the horizontal. It's an integrated and it's not performance of trying to gain some approval from God by doing all these various things. Because you know what? We will fail. And if we fail, God's grace is there. It's not cheap. It's expensive. It's costly. But it is there when we fail in mission, when we fail in holiness, when we fail in all these different things that we know we fail in. And we just go, God, Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Uh, and the, His grace rescues us from performance. Rescues us from self. I mean, just on this alone, when you think about every other religion tries to earn in some way favor with their deity. Constantly trying to perform for them. Uh, and I, I think about that and I go, right there alone should, in, at least with me obviously, proves the truth 
of the Gospel of Jesus Christ that would set mankind free from the imprisonment and the oppression of trying to please the One that they follow. We don't have to. Jesus already did. And that's why I need to be captured by His grace. That's why that was so overwhelming when we were singing that. I was going, God, You've got to capture me with Your grace because I keep trying to perform for You. I forget. And I hate it. I hate it. Alright, go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to hit something that, that helps us remember. And, and again, this is why we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Word of God. Every time I, you, know, you get into these things and you, you just, the Word just hits you and impacts you, and you just go, okay, I don't... Okay, that's right. And you, you get in alignment with, with grace. Chapter 2, verse 1, Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Say, that was me. Following the passions and desires of our evil nature, we were born with an evil nature. And we were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. When He raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's special grace that you've been saved. Nothing else. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and we were seated with Him in the heavenly realms all because, all because we were one with Christ Jesus. And so, God can always point to us. Raise your hand, that's you. He can always point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us. I can always point to my people who are just recipients of my grace and they don't have to prove anything because I proved it already. I proved it. Proved it at the cross. Come on, Dean. Done, done, done. As shown in all He has done for us through Christ Jesus. God saved you by His special, His special grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We're God's masterpiece. Masterpieces of grace. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things, the works that He planned for us long ago. So he went through all of that. This is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to get it. And then he says, and he's created us for great works. So we know right there, it's proven the grace or that works are not a, a, an attempt to gain favor, but they're, they come out of our salvation. They come from grace. So grace is what equips us in faith to do the work that God has prepared for us before the foundations of the world. Just like Jessica was talking about. She's doing these great works just like all of us are in different ways, though 
We just got reminded of it. He loves us. God does not love us because we're good. He loves us because He's good. He's good. He's good. Oh, we got to remind ourselves. We got to remind one another. Just Jesus already did that. Could be Justice Church. He already did that. Jesus already did that. Jesus already did that. Worship is, uh, again, unavoidable. We can't get away from it. I want to I take us to a worship experience that happened uh, quite a long time ago. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. This is an amazing account that Isaiah shares with us. In the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. Verse 1, He was sitting on the lofty throne and the trail of His robe filled the temple. You guys have heard this before. Try not to be familiar with it. Try and picture what is going on here. His robe filled the temple. That's a serious robe. <laughs> Hovering around Him were mighty seraphim. These are... Uh, seraphim were the highest... In, a, in the hierarchy of angels, seraphim were the highest of the top three dogs. Seraphim, uh, Ophanim, and the cherubim. And they, you know, they, they, they've described as those with eyes all around and they're seen. But they're particularly uh, created, designed to minister to God as if He needed anything. And these guys, they're, they're hovering around Him were the mighty seraphim, each with six wings, two wings that covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with the remaining two they flew. Why were they covering their faces? Because they didn't allow familiarity at all to rob them of the awe of who God is. And these dudes are just, you know, just hovering around the throne. In a great chorus they sang, Holy! 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 It's the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Can you imagine what that song sounds like? Those are decibel levels in articulation of frequencies that are unbelievable. I, I, I can't even imagine what that chorus is like. The whole earth is filled with glory. The glorious shining, or the glorious singing shook the temple of heaven's foundations and the entire sanctuary was filled with smoke. God has a laser light show that you would not believe. Pink Floyd, eat your heart out. Come on. I mean, and then I said, and I would agree with his evaluation of this, my destruction is sealed for I'm a sinful man and a member of a sinful race. Yet I have seen, say seen, I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew over. That was his cue. <laughs> he flies over to the altar. And <clears throat> I just can't imagine what this exchange was like. He, he picks up a burning coal with a pair of tongs. 
He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Did nothing to earn it. Didn't, anything, didn't do anything to... He didn't even ask for it. They, they just, he just recognized his, in humility his position before God. Which I don't deserve anything. Nothing. And this is... This, this is grace. This is the grace of God cleansing him. No animal sacrifice, no nothing. What a beautiful foreshadowing of Christ coming and cleansing us. And then I heard the Lord asking. So now God's asking questions. Whom should I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go for us? And I said, Lord, I'll go. The Holy Spirit has come upon me in power to be witnesses to here and to the ends of the earth. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? First and foremost, primarily in the lives of people. To be a bold witness. A humble witness. Okay, God, if you, if you need somebody, I'll go. You see, what, what transpired, the direct result of seeing what He saw the direct result was sending. The direct result of worship and the glory of God and the presence of the Lord, like I've never seen. I've never witnessed what he saw. You only see this type of Ezekiel's another example of boom, he just, his mind's blown by what he's seen. And, he, and right after that, he says, Here's the words, here's my words, here's the scroll, eat it. So you get it in your heart. And then I'm going to send you to my people. They're not even going to listen to you. But you're going to go because you're an expression of my love and my grace. Unmerited favor. Sending is a direct result of seeing. That begs the question, doesn't it? What do we see? Do we see Him for who He really is? Are we able to hear God asking the question? Or are we so consumed and so focused on just what I'm doing? Is it just business as usual? Is it just like, oh, that's you know, it's the presence of the Lord. That's cool. That's just the Seattle Jewish Community School. That's you know where we go and hang on Sunday mornings. Can I hear? Can I see? As you're worshiping in the marketplace, your job. As you're worshiping in your home. Because again, right? It's our lifestyle. It's not songs. Songs is just such a small expression. But can I hear? Can I see? Can I, can I, can I hear God sending me? Can I hear Him asking the question? You know, walks up to Madison. Um, who can I... You know, Madison Center. Who can I send? Who will go for us? Wink, wink, nod, nod, say no more. <laughs> who can we send? Are we able to hear? Me. Me. You are Jesus with skin on. God has no plan B. There's no plan B. He proved that with His own disciples. Some of the biggest failures, weaknesses, 
lame sauces. Uh, I mean, the, he, he couldn't have... He, you remember how we talked about he, he, he just he scooped to the bottom of the barrel to grab those guys. The lowest of society and... You know, they, they were not the cream of the crop by any stretch. Ordinary guys. Ordinary guys. Don't have time to go there right now, but in John, Apostle John, his epistle to the church at Ephesus, he talks about how that God showed His love by sending His only Son into the world. God demonstrated His love. Don't worry about it. This is my my boy Caleb over here. He's part of the family, so you know. just, Just want to make sure you guys are okay. How do we think God is going to continue? It just means I'm preaching good, right? That's right. I love it when he starts getting excited. I know if I don't hear him, then I'm, I must not be preaching very well. Like, pick it up, Trout. <laughs> but if, if God demonstrated or showed His love by sending His Son into the world, how do we think that God is going to demonstrate His love through us? By sending us. By sending us. We have all become mobile unit love. Wherever we go, it's the love of Jesus being seen, heard, demonstrated, identifiable. It's me and you. We're so... We're so... We've been so molded and shaped by the feelings of love that we think because we feel it that we're actually loving. Oh, I feel love for so-and-so, but remember what James talked about in James chapter 2? Check this out from... Uh, I love this, James chapter 2. I'm just, I don't often do this, but I'm going to read from the message. The message interpretation. But here we see that genuine faith is both conviction and action. They can't be divorced from one another. He says, do you think that you'll get anywhere in this, in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith mean that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags, half-starved, and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, my dear good man. And then you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works. Works and faith. Fit together hand in glove. Seeing a need and meeting it. And we can't meet all the needs that are out there. Jesus didn't do that either. He said, I only, I only do what I see my Father doing. So, but can we hear Father saying, uh, I could really use somebody right now. There's a need right here and, and uh, I, you know, 
John Sandstrom, Jay Hallstrom, regardless of age, doesn't matter. Uh, we were prayer walking not too long ago. We were down in Lake City and uh, just having a great time. There was this gentleman that was out there uh, and we invited him in to come and just have lunch with us. We were, you know, kind of finished prayer walking and we're getting in to try and get warm. So we invited this guy to come in and, and uh, he sat down with us and he was, he was having a hard time juggling kind of the equipment that he had with him. He had a Costco size of whiskey, you know, in his, in his coat. And I uh, was trying to be discreet with it and, uh, you know, hold it and all this. And so we got him some, some food and, and uh, he sat down and, and then uh, he had a soda that he had gotten from the machine over there. And, and then with juggling everything, he dumped his soda on the ground. Well, Jaron, who was six at the time, uh, our youngest son, and nobody told him, hey, go get, you know, go do this or, or serve him or anything like that. He just ran over. He just disappeared, ran over, got a whole bunch of napkins. And here he is on the floor underneath this man's legs, cleaning up his mess, just serving him. He, he saw something. I think he saw Jesus. And just responded because the Holy Spirit is upon him and in him, filling him to set people free, to help them, to serve them in whatever capacity is needed at the time. Well, his little act of service, I mean, just my, my guts were coming out. I, I mean, I was, I was welling up with tears. I'm seeing my son catching something of the Spirit of Jesus. He wasn't directed by anyone. He saw a need. Reaching, touching, loving, going. What could it look like? Not here because our church location is here, but what could it look like for you in your city, in your neighborhood, in your village? You know, I, I love Kenmore, it's my village. It's where God's called me to be. It's where He's placed me. It's where I live. It's where I call home. What if we had a hundred cent ones who have seen something and they're looking and meeting needs right in their own cities? You individually. Or somebody else happens to be seeing something and you're not. And you jump in with them in their neighborhood. Helping them with whatever that might be. God's heart being activated in us. We recall from last week, just touch on this again, it's worth repeating, but you know, there, the, the justice, the issue of the justice of God um, takes up 500 verses of direct teaching in the New Testament alone. One in 16 verses in the New Testament speaks of this. One in 12 in the Gospels where Jesus is right there present. There's no other subject in the Bible that deals with that the, the scriptures address more than justice. The only other one is idolatry. That God addresses more. Not end times, not anything else. Just like why are we repeating these things? I did this for my own benefit because I still haven't put it into effect since last week. We need to hear it again and again and again and again. 
I love this. Go to the nether regions of Amos. Amos. That came out wrong, didn't it? My wife's up here chuckling. The nether regions of the, of the Old Testament minor prophets where um, we, they're just a little bit... Uh, it's not getting any better, is it? <laughs> the places where we don't often go to. Go to the book of Amos, would you please? <laughs> My wife's up there. She's like, just read the verse, please. Uh, chapter 5, verse 21 God says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your hymns of praise. They're only noise to my ears. I will not listen to your music, no matter how lovely it is. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, a river of righteous living that will never run dry. God, tell us what you really think. Wow. You know, before this, you might think God's really against, you know, uh, wealth, riches, all that. But before that, in the chapters preceding, he talks about, I'm the one who's blessed you with these things. I'm the one who's blessing you with prosperity. But he's speaking to the upper class of Israel that just consumed all the blessings that God had given them on themselves. And there wasn't justice taking place in the nation. And he talks about the oppression of the poor. Lack of care for the marginalized. Do our priorities and our values match God's? As we come here to this Christmas season, is it possible, I touch on this a little bit, and some people are asking me questions for some specific things, and is it possible that we've been caught up in something that may not represent God's heart? Again, many aspects of it do, but in light of the way that God has given, does our giving reflect God? Consider, again, that's worth repeating, Americans spend roughly $455-plus billion every year in one year on Christmas. 25 million people die of dysentery due to unclean water every year. They estimate that it would cost a mere $20 billion in comparison to what we spend on Christmas every year to provide clean water for the world. My dad, a couple of years ago, began to challenge me with some things I hadn't considered before. And he began to ask the question, what's the message, Eric, that we're sending to our kids and my grandkids in terms of how we do the whole Christmas thing? The amount of gifts and things that will be broken in a month and, you know, the toys and and all the rest. And uh, so one of the things that we talked about doing was just you know, taking $50 per person. And again, this is just our family. And 
I realize that I may step on a few toes, you know, in this because of, I mean, there, I don't think there's anything more nostalgically powerful than the time of Christmas. But I'm asking us to take a look at the possibility of a different perspective. Um, but take the other money that we would spend typically on ourselves and take that and, and maybe even come together with a couple different families and see what we could do to help others. And they're not, not just about going out and buying a bunch of gifts that would do the same thing with those other people, but what could we do to meet some needs? If we don't have much to give, what could we do with our time resource, our talent uh, that we have? And again, joining together with other families to, to love on others. The church gathering, the church worshiping is absolutely imperative. It's critical. It's where it all starts. But the church reaching, the church touching, the church going is absolutely incredible. And as we said earlier, it validates our love of God. It validates our love of God. Uh, I love what Augustine said. He said, love God and do what you like. Why? Because he understood something that if somebody truly loves God, then their heart, they're going to have the heart of God. They're going to have the mind of God. And they're going to do what they like is what God likes. The poor are not just those with less money or no money or below the poverty line, but we're talking about those who suffer even physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, socially. Illnesses, addictions. Situations that are unjust. If we look at any situation we say, you know what, that's unjust. It's because it doesn't reflect how things would be if God's kingdom ruled in that particular situation. That is a situation that needs to be rectified. And we can't use the excuse of, you know, so-and-so, well, they got themselves into that position, so they need to get themselves out, or I don't have time, or whatever. I mean, what if God had taken that approach? None of us would be here. We didn't deserve anything, and God has given to us freely. He didn't say, get yourself out of that mess. He pulled us out of the mess that we have been in. I'd like to ask you to, just for a reading and study assignment, to get into Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Toward the end there, I think it's somewhere like verse 20 through 40, something like that. But the last half of Matthew chapter 25, we don't want to take time to go there right now. Could our worship spill over into our world? Can we have an integrated life that is both vertical and horizontal? That's integrated that way. We love others because He has so overwhelmed us with His love. I would say as well that as we as we close here today that you know we, I'm bringing up Christmas because it's right in front of us but this is something that God's heart is desiring for us to spill over into all areas of our life 
You know, if I were to ask you about your devotional life, you know, how are you, sp- you know, spending time with God and are you in His Word and all that, and you probably wouldn't have a problem with that. But as soon as we start talking about money, you know, I can tend to get a little defensive. Like, say what? How? You know, we reaching for our pocketbooks and... But every area of our life surrendered to Him. Will I do anything... Will I go anywhere? What are you calling me to? And Lord, I hear you calling me. I hear you speaking uh, loud and clear to to the best that my ears are open right now. But I know it's difficult to hear outside of this room. Lord, could You start right now digging our ears so that we can hear that question that You're asking, who can I send? Who can we send? Lord Jesus, put Your response in my heart that You desire. 